So friends, tonight is going to be a little bit of a different night. We are doing a Q&A session with the pastor. Uh, and I thank you for those of you who submitted questions early. I'll hit a couple of the ones that were submitted uh, because there were lots and we only have a short amount of time. But I also want to offer an opportunity for maybe one or two questions from you. Now, for those, I may not have an answer immediately, but I love hearing the questions that you have because I believe this is the perfect space to ask questions. Our God is big enough to hold all things. And so where better to ask questions than right here, and we can ponder them together. So one of the questions uh, that was submitted, I'm going to start with an easy answer first to, to, get, to get me rolling. <clears throat> so the question was, does Trinity follow a church calendar for the seasons? And the quick answer is yes. We do follow the liturgical church calendar, which does cover the seasons, and particularly here at um, the 635 service, uh, since I've arrived, I found it really uh, refreshing and helpful to preach through what we call the lectionary, which is a list of, um, of readings that go through the entire Bible over the course of three years, and those readings match up with the liturgical church calendar. So when it's Easter, you hear stories of Christ's resurrection and subsequent Old Testament texts that go along with that. Uh, and for Advent season, you hear Old Testament texts and New Testament and gospel lessons that all go around the idea of Advent. So, that is the easy answer. I see Chase. Chase was the one who submitted that question. Um, so, thanks, Chase. I'm so glad you gave me an easy softball um, to begin. <laughs> Yay! All right. Another question that was asked is uh, steps a little bit further uh, into more difficulty, and it Someone asked me about my own faith journey. I know that you have heard a little bit through my preaching of how I have come to faith, but I'll share with you a little bit more, specifically about um, lots of different things. So, um, my, I was born into a multi-religious family. My mom was a runaway Catholic at the time, struggling with what is faith. And my father uh, was sort of a runaway Jew, um, both, both trying to wrestle with, with faith and what to do with that. And here I come along, and I was a bit of a um, ill infant. I had a several stints in the hospital. I came early, um, and we couldn't quite figure out what was going on with my lungs. And at that point, my mom um, felt very strongly that I needed to be baptized. And so they drove me to a Lutheran church, of all places, um, and they baptized me at a Lutheran church. So I was baptized as an infant, as a Lutheran, to parents who didn't really know what that fully meant and yet trusted that God was present and felt a nudge to baptize me. 
Uh, and so fast forward, we moved to Lakeland, Florida from Virginia, and uh, the public school system at the time was left lots to be desired, as I'm sure you have um, heard and, and felt. So my parents decided to find a private school that happened to be a Lutheran church and school. And so, uh, so I was formed originally through Bible um, studies and classes that went along with the curriculum uh, of that school. So I was formed in the Lutheran church. And when we started attending uh, that school, we discovered that there was a lovely scholarship for church members. So we became church members of St. Paul Lutheran Church and School. And when I was about eight, I saw on Sunday morning this beautiful choir and these beautiful robes, and I said, I want to do that. And so as an eight-year-old, I joined the adult choir, um, and I sang my first solo to God of Wonders. I don't know if you all know that song, but it goes, God of Wonders beyond our galaxy. Mm. So that was my entrance as an eight-year-old into this idea of worship leadership. And from that moment, I was sort of hooked. Any opportunity that was given to me, mostly to sing, because that's what I loved to do, I took it. Um, and so fast forward to sixth grade, I realized that there wasn't a great place at the Lutheran church and school for me to be involved with other middle schoolers in faith, in the way that I wanted. So my next-door neighbor was attending the um, Methodist church uh, First United Methodist Church of Lakeland, and invited me. And so I went, and that very first night, they were having the last day of sign-ups for confirmation. Jameson, you were just confirmed, right? Yeah. So my entrance into the United Methodist Church, my very first day at youth group, I watched through those doors, and I think for the first time, I felt what unconditional love truly looked like. Uh, at that youth group, and there was an opportunity for me to learn more. So I signed up without talking to my parents, <clears throat> and what I didn't know is that by signing up for confirmation, I also roped them into adult version of those classes because their parents attend with the, the students sort of on their own separate so we could learn and they can learn. So I walked in and I sat home after that first, and I said, Mom, I did a thing. <clears throat> and they were like, all right, I guess we're going. Um, and so the day I was confirmed, my parents joined the church with me. And it was, it was amazing for me. Um, so that's a little bit, I'm going to now generalize. At that youth group at First Lakeland, I was given so many opportunities to try on what leadership looks like in the church. And I found that I loved it. I found a place where I felt whole. And I knew even from my time in high school that I wanted to be in the church. 
I didn't know that that exactly meant ordained ministry, and I wouldn't know that until much later. But I felt loved and given an opportunity to grow, and I will forever be thankful for that. In my early life, along with this question, was what were some of the things that pulled at me? Uh, And I think all through my early years, trying to discover what it was that God was asking of me or calling me to, the scripture that I most clung to was one I'm sure you could guess, but it was Jeremiah 29, 11, which is, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to give you hope. Uh, And it goes on, but I clung to those words knowing that no matter what it is that I was called to, it was going to be good. And thanks be to God, because here I am. Um, I now, uh, during my time in seminary, I gravitated more toward that Old Testament uh, half of our Bible, because I felt rooted in discovering who I was through the lens of my dad's faith. Now, I did not know much about Judaism, and I still don't. I'm in a discovery phase of who am I in this full picture. And I've been able to use that as a way to connect with my dad and to meet my dad where he is, and that has been really amazing for me. Some other um, things that I have clung to more recently is the contemplative movement. Um, Contemplative movement is a... or a posture of prayer in which we are quieting ourselves and introspective and listening first instead of coming up with words to speak. Uh, And in a season where my life is a little bit chaotic, uh, I have found that I've really struggled with prayer, struggled with having the time, struggled with having the right words, struggled with, you name it, prayer is hard for me. And I found that in the contemplative movement, I'm able to latch onto something where I don't need to produce. I don't need to come with anything before God. I can simply be and rest and really try my hardest to listen. Sometimes I'm good at it, Sometimes I'm really terrible at it, and all of those times are holy for me. So that's a little bit of my early faith walk. Uh, But what I can characterize is that my faith journey to where I am right now has been a series of yeses. Yeses to walking through open doors. and opportunities that have been before me. Not really knowing what I was getting into, but saying yes anyway. And I'm really glad I said yes, because I'm glad to know all of you. So, all right. Another question that was asked is about King David. Uh, King David is a character from the Old Testament. He was the king of Israel, uh, sort of at the pinnacle of 
uh, Israel's height and power. David is that king that uh, specifically the Jewish culture and uh, religion looks to as the prime example of this is what we long for. And so the question is, David did so many bad things. Why is he considered to be God's favorite? This is a great question. And I had fun sort of piecing it out together for me. And so my answer to this question is one that I've come to through study. And I'll claim that this is my answer for me and for my spiritual, spiritual walk. And I offer this question back to you uh, for you to do your own search and study and come to know. Um, but in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, um, it was right at the time when it was um, where Samuel heard from God that Saul, the current king, was no longer cut out. He was no longer God's pick. Uh, and so the language used there is that Samuel has been called to seek after a man who is after God's own heart. And so David has become known as this, uh, this leader who is after God's own heart. Now, I don't know if um, David was God's favorite, and I struggle with God having any favorites because I think that God loves each of us uniquely and wonderfully and that there is no comparison. Um, but God did choose David. Uh, God saw something, saw greatness in David. And David was human. Humans make mistakes. Humans make choices that maybe God would not choose for us. And yet, through David, even though he has made missteps, even though he made choices that were unsavory and not the best examples for any of us, even in his mistakes, God was able to use David for good. David was not perfect. How many of us are? And yet I believe each of us are called to something and that each of us can be used by God for greatness. Um, and David experienced natural, uh, natural consequences for the choices that he made, uh, like any of us do. Uh, so David, specifically, that term favorite, I think, says more about who we have held David up to be. This example of leadership that was at the pinnacle of power for the Israelite people. This was the person and the time that the Israelite people clung to in those moments of desperation, in those moments of um, disaster, remembering the time when. And I think many of us have that moment in our own lives, remembering a time when things were great, in a season when things are not great. So 
I think that's my answer for this question is that I don't, I don't believe David was God's favorite because I don't believe God plays favorites. But I do respect David as a, the great leader that he was, also knowing that he was human, just like each of us. And our God is a God of forgiveness, first and foremost. God was a God of forgiveness at the very beginning and all the way until the end. And so that's the same in the Old Testament, the same in the New Testament, and the same now. So there you have it, folks.